You have queued up the Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation recorded at the New York City Concert Hall, Roulette. You can hear thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's past and present and find news of upcoming events celebrating innovation and imagination at roulette.org. Aren't you curious? In this edition, composer and multi-instrumentalist Doug Weaselman, whose work on the clarinet, bass clarinet, sax, and guitar has led to projects from the Kamikaze Ground Crew with Gina Leishman and Stephen Bernstein to the Lounge Lizards with John Lurie and other major collaborations with Wayne Horvitz, Anthony Coleman, Laurie Anderson, Evan Lurie, Anthony and the Johnsons, Coco Rosie, Robert Wilson, and many more. We'll hear stories about all of this, plus Weaselman's music for the Kamikaze Ground Crew and projects with Wayne Horvitz and Kato Hideki, all from the Roulette Archive. This is Doug Weaselman. I'm Doug Weaselman, 
I was born in Los Angeles, California. I was lucky enough to grow up in a house with a lot of music. My, both my parents were music lovers. My father played the cello. My mother played guitar and piano. My father sort of was involved with classical music. He, he would play in like amateur orchestras and would sometimes have like string quartets in, in the house, you know, with his other friends. Hearing music live in a room was, was a big thing for me. Like, I remember that as being really exciting. And also we had a lot of records, and, and this was in the 50s, and we still had, they were 78s, and so my parents used to say they could, they, they could, at like age three, they'd sit me down with a stack of 78s, and I'd be happy, they wouldn't have to worry about me. You know, and they were, they were also folk dancers, so we had these rec 78s from like Yugoslavia and Scotland and Russia, and in a lot of different places. So I grew up with a lot of other kinds of sounds, music from different places. I started playing clarinet at nine, and in those days, you know, the elementary school music programs were pretty good. And we had a really good one where I grew up, and they, they'd like handed out a mimeographed sheet, like, what instrument do you want to play? And I chose the clarinet, I think because we had a recording of the Brahms clarinet quintet. I guess I was really moved by. But I started playing guitar at age 10 after seeing Help. Uh, I mean, the Beatles, that was, a, that was like a big moment. I went to a matinee with Help. I had a broken wrist, so I had a cast on my right arm. But I insisted that night for my mother to show me like some guitar chords. Like that was when I started to play the guitar, mainly because of the Beatles. So. I mean, I really liked the Jefferson Airplane and and I started to really get into Stravinsky. I liked the Rolling Stones. I wasn't that, I'm more into the Rolling Stones now than I was then. But I hadn't really gotten into the jazz thing. I liked Charles Lloyd. The jazz thing didn't really come to me until I was in college. Yeah, somebody played me the Intermounting Flame and it was like, wow, this like door opened up and then, okay, here's, here's John Coltrane. And it was like, okay. And here's Miles Davis and it was like, the door just, cracked open and I really thought that's what I was going to be. college in UC Santa Cruz studying music and uh, I was lucky enough to be there when 
Gordon Mumo was there and James Tenney were, was there also. And there was also this great teacher who, who was like an Ives scholar named William Brooks. I would come after, out of his classes as being really elated and like he just brought in so many ideas and was so passionate about things. James Tenney was also, became really influential for me with his class. It just really opened my, my head. Just listening in general, and particularly to the natural world, which is so much of what my work has been. He explained this sort of minimal thing as his, he had this terminology called ergodic, and he claimed like, if you look at a tile floor, it's all the same, but if you look closely, you'll see these different things in each tile. And he said that was the point of this music, was like, you create this sort of thing, but then if you look closer to the details, you start to see these other things that emerge. This is also where I met Howard and Paul from the Flying Car Matzah Brothers. So that became like this big path for me through them into the theater where I started to compose. The other big path was meeting Wayne Horvitz at UC Santa Cruz. It might have been my senior year because I was applying to graduate school. I'd taken the GREs and like I was going to do that. And I saw Wayne do this concert and I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> I don't think I want to go to graduate school. That's sort of, I'm sort of that. That's became my life pretty much, you know. After I got out of college, I lived in Berkeley for a while and I decided to go to LA to see if, what I can find as a player. And like, I got in this like cover band, which was weird, but and that's it, another long story, but I did learn a lot about rhythm and time. Got exposed to James Brown and, and Sly Stone and all this stuff. It was like great uh, education for me. And I was thought I was gonna be a saxophone player. And I didn't like my sound. And I, a friend of mine from junior high who became pretty well known, his brother John Clayton is a well known bass, jazz bassist. And his name, he, he was Jeff Clayton. And I asked him who to study. He said, Well, you should study with Bill Green, like an LA session guy. He he's, was a wrecking crew guy. And he's like, he's on records by Sinatra. And he's also like on Pet Sounds. You know? He's like one of these guys. And so that's what I did. I moved back to my parents' house because I was between whatever, and I just played saxophone all day and studied. I had a lesson with Bill Green once a week. 
The other thing is, is Kamikaze Ground Crew, which came out of the, being with the Flying Karamazov Brothers. And the Flying Karamazov Brothers basically called themselves juggling and cheap theatrics. They were, it's basically came out of this movement in the 70s, which was called New Vaudeville. Like there was this, there was sort of a craze for juggling and at least in Santa Cruz in 73, and they, they took it seriously and created, you know, also influenced by the Firesign Theater and the sort of absurdist humor. And they got involved with doing a theater piece in Chicago, doing the Comedy of Errors. And they brought me in to compose for that. So that was, that was really the major composition thing that I started to get into. And I won this like award in Chicago, the Joseph Jefferson Award. And then they were offered to do a show on Broadway. When you do a Broadway show, you, you have to hire musicians no matter what, at least in those days. I think you still have to sort of do that. So it was either like pay off the union or hire friends. So they just decided to hire their friends and create a band. So we, Kamikaze Ground Crew was developed for that show. It was named after Jenna Leishman, the co-leader. She woke up one morning, she lived in Ireland for a while and there was a playwright. He wrote this piece called Kamikaze Ground Crew's Reunion Dinner. And she thought this was perfect because like we're, you know, they're flying and we're like the ground crew. So that it, it was like we just adopted that name. So Thank you.
Wayne basically introduced me to the downtown scene, and I got, I hung out at Studio Henry, which was One Morton Street, which uh, was sort of the precursor to the Knitting Factory and Tonic and all of that. So everybody and Roulette, in a sense, yeah. So. You know, I met Bernst, Stephen Bernstein, who I've done a lot of work with down there. He was playing with this band called The Daves with Dave Sulson and, and uh, Dave Hofstra. So yeah, the Lounge Lizards were sort of legendary and I was like, I always, I thought about, man, I, I don't know how I could ever play in that band, you know, what would I do? And they have all their saxophone players. I didn't even consider myself that I would be a guitar player because it was like, you know, Ardo Lindsay and then Mark Rebo and like these giants, you know, and so yeah, this was with the Lounge Lizards with, which was John Lurie's, pretty much John Lurie's band, basically. I was with Stephen Bernstein and we were on our way, he asked me to come with him on this train ride up, up, up the river to go to this instrument guy named Sid Glickman who had a, <laughs> who sold old instruments and Stephen was looking for a, um, an echo trumpet, which is a trumpet with an extra chamber. They were like pretty obscure, but this guy happened to have some. And on the on the train ride up, Stephen said, well, you know, they're looking for, and I had done a session with John, with Stephen brought me in to do, Stephen did a lot of soundtrack work, arranging and leading sessions for John for films. and. He finally brought me in to play clarinet on a session, and John really, he, he liked me, and even he gave me this nickname. You know, it was like, he called me Hank. He said, you mind if I call you Hank? So Stephen was thinking, you know, well, they're, you know, we're going to audition guitar players. Why don't you audition? I auditioned for the Lounge Lizards and I got in, <laughs> basically. And I had to really, as John said, well, you can come, I, I'll, you can play in the band, but you have to practice every day. <laughs> you have to practice guitar every day. And it was, it was true. And it was because I really had to develop a muscle in my hand. I'd always played guitar since I was 10, but not really seriously. I was in the band for three years. It was the last three years that they existed. And I met, you know, Tony Shear, who was on that recording with Wayne, and uh, Evan, John's brother, who I ended up working on this cartoon show. 
it just was really, it was great because it was like you were just expected to do something amazing. There was no, not a discussion about that. It was just sort of like given. And then there was also a lot of trust in the band, you know, so. Let me talk a little bit about the solo clarinet thing because that's, that relates to Tenny in a sense. As, uh, I have this solo clarinet project based initially based on melodies that I hear in bodies of water. To me, it sounds like a choir. And this comes from some like sort of revelatory listening of, of the first time I think I experienced it, that was in some like hot springs in in uh, Idaho but I was on mushrooms <laughs> but it you know my I, I just I was hearing I thought where is that choir coming from and it was like I realized it was the water and I started to hear these things from in the ocean from beaches and then from streams and stuff and then actually the that piece that I listened to from roulette concert in 87 was the first time I integrated some of those ideas into compositions like there there's melodies in there from what I was hearing in the wind in Montana and I'd gotten this uh, eight second delay years you know some time ago and I just wanted to find explore doing a solo thing with these water melodies with this delay so that's how that developed
music of Doug Weaselman for the Kamikaze Ground Crew. We also heard excerpts from projects by pianist Wayne Horvitz with Tony Scher on bass and composer Kato Hideki. These programs are made possible in part with support from the National Endowment for the Arts and the Grammy Museum. This is David Weinstein at the desk. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to The Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation. This series is produced by Roulette Intermedium. You can find thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's archives and news of upcoming events at roulette.org.